I've come to the conclusion that I am giving up Enough with second chances, I am done I've given all I can, I've held on long enough My mind will rest in peace forever Welcome to My Comic Shop History. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. This is episode 9, entitled Two and a Half Comic Book Men. After this week, only three episodes of our 12-episode podcast event remain. Now, allow me to introduce this week's guests. To my left, Drew Cheskin, former owner of Alternate Realities. Hello. To my right, Steve Ryan, the store's current primary employee and a man with five first names. It's true. What are they? Uh, Stephen, William, Joseph, Peter, Ryan. Steve Ryan, that's ridiculous, but you, you pull them off. You, it, do, it, you do. It's the benefit of being Irish Catholic. <laughs> and last, but certainly not least, across from me, we have Brian Claudio, a longtime customer of the store and owner of one of the most insane collections I've ever seen. So, Brian, thank you for joining us. No problem. The three of you represent a cross-section of alternate realities, owner, employee, customer. Drew, I want to toss it to you first, because you have listened. You told me you have listened to all previous episodes of My Comic Shop History. Yes, indeed. So I'm curious what your take has been. Do you agree with the things that have been said? Do you disagree? Have we been too hard on Steve Odo, owner of Alternate Realities? Well, I don't want to say anyone's been too hard. Everyone's been expressing their opinion. Uh, So whether that opinion is right or wrong is obviously a matter of perspective. Over the years, he ran the shop the way he was comfortable running it obviously did a good enough job and had a good enough customer base to keep the store open. Uh, And I think maybe at this point has gotten tired, but also recognizes that the changes that would be necessary to keep the store competitive and to keep it open and to keep the customers happy was a little bit more than he wanted to take on. I I don't think it's a matter of him quitting on the store or anything else. But it's just he opened it in a different time, ran it that way. It was successful for a long time. And to make the change now at this point, it wasn't worth doing it to him. And everyone else can look at it and very easily say, oh, but you should have done this. You should have done that. But at the end of the day, it was Steve that would have been responsible for paying for it, for instituting those changes, making sure that they were viable to the business. And there's really no way to know if it would have been better or worse, but it was certainly Steve's choice and Steve did what he felt was right. So... I don't think anyone was being too harsh. Everyone was just saying what they thought. But until they walk in his shoes and until they have the responsibility of actually dealing with the consequence of those decisions, uh, it's just going to be opinion. It's it's not right, wrong. It's not too harsh. It's not too soft. It's just it is what it is. So it had nothing to do with the fact that he, uh, he just hates everybody. <laughs> well, there, there is a certain, I guess, irony to the fact that Steve desired to open up a comic book store which in a way is a, is a retail operation that requires interaction with a customer. It's not a grocery store. It's not a clothing store. I mean, you actually have to interact with people who ask you about what you like, what might they like, what are your opinions on things. And considering he feels that most human beings are complete idiots, it, it does seem like a rather ironic choice to go into a business like this. But uh, yeah, I think partially being really sick of people is, is why he's closing the store too. <laughs> He might not have started out with that opinion, but working here for the five years I've had, you start out thinking he's crazy, and you slowly start to see, dealing with the level of stupidity of people, that he's right, and the amount of people, that the, the stupidity that walks in here 
is astounding. You like I've said, you start to see just what has driven Steve to the point where he is the way he is. Uh, I mean, both of you hit on something that I do think is an important point, and this has been something that has been brought up. Last week, now none of you have heard this episode because it hasn't been posted yet, but it will by the time this one airs. Uh, I spoke with Steve's wife, Anne, and she mounted a very eloquent and sweet and passionate defense of her husband, as, as you would expect a wife to do. And she made that exact point about, you know, it's his store, and so it's easy for us to say, I would have done this, I would have done that, but ultimately it's him. And Drew, as you've said, ultimately all of these decisions lie on, on his shoulders and he has to live with the consequences of them. She also made the argument that she sees what none of the rest of us do, which is, you know, just how much Steve does care about the store and how much he does agonize over the decisions that he makes, how much time he spends, the fact that he's, she sees him up until three o'clock in the morning working on the order form. I don't doubt, and I don't think anyone who's been on the show would doubt that he spends a lot of time, uh, you know, working on the order form and, and pours a lot of himself into the store. I mean, I would never argue argue against that. I, I, I know and believe that, that that is the case. If I have had any professional frustration with him, it's that Steve struggles with the store, which is okay, and he complains about struggling with the store, but doesn't take these steps. And again, all of those other things that you guys have, have been raising and that Anne raised, you know, they come into play, and I understand that. But, it, you know, it just feels like if, if it's such a struggle and such a burden but you're not taking advantage of these things, is it really fair to then blame the closing on your customers? That's, I think, where a lot of the issues that I have come from. No, I completely agree with what you're saying to a certain extent. There's a, a huge difference between doing work and running a business. And Steve has always done work, but hasn't necessarily always done run the business or done what's best for the business in a long-term perspective. Some people have said Steve ran it like a clubhouse. I don't know if that's the case because I never felt like this place is a clubhouse. If it was a clubhouse, it's because we made it a clubhouse, not because that's how Steve made it. We all enjoyed talking to Steve. We enjoyed talking to each other. So we made it the clubhouse that it is. That's why it's funny as it sounds. The store itself closing, the physical location, doesn't bother me so much. Because it's the people that made it what it is. It's not the store. It's not the lights. It's not the carpeting, which is falling apart, by the way, after 25 years of being trampled on. What always got me about Steve was that he basically, you know, he agonized over dropping anyone's files, dropping over, you know, anything they had in the back. And he would hate doing it, to be honest. You know, for all for everyone who was saying, oh, he's, you know, he's, he's, he hates people and he loves doing this stuff, especially him. He loves he loves projecting that image of himself of being a real hard ass and he's not he's actually a softy <laughs> he really is because i've brought it like i've had people complain to me you know friends and people who've worked here that says like why don't you why don't you clean up like uh the files why don't you call these people and i'll tell them i've talked to steve many times about like i'll show him a file this guy is very thick and i'll go oh no this guy's fine this guy comes in every month every two months every six months but he's good. He'll come in. So, and I'm like, Steve, they, everyone is good until they're not, until they screw you over. But he, like we said, he has his faith in people that they won't screw him over, but he won't put up any defenses to prevent them from screwing him over. You see, if you're ever have your own shop, you could be like, instead of Steve, you could be ultimate Steve. <laughs> you will screw him over after three weeks. You're like, get out. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, I never understood it. It's like, 
maybe if you, if you say in advance, I'm going to come every month, that's fine. But if two months goes by and you're not here, you get shut down. Right. But for the people, I mean, these people who would come in every week, then we wouldn't see them for five weeks. It's like, all right, I think it's time to shut them down. Like while the books can still be put back on the shelf and people would buy them. Yeah, get, getting to a point that Brian made, Steve is genuinely a good guy. The craziness is an act. I don't buy it. He's not that crazy. And I think that his, the instances where he gets mad about things is, for as much as he says he has no faith in people, he wants to, and it's his disappointment, you know, just sort of bubbling over that people have in his eyes, screwed him over, and that's why he gets mad. He's disappointed. He's like, why can't people sort of be, I don't know if faithful is the right word, but when they say they want something and I'm good enough to do it for them, to get it for them, to hold it for them, what's so hard about keeping up with your end of the bargain and either purchasing it or if you don't want it, just come in and say, hey, I don't want it anymore. But So I think a lot of Steve's frustrations and this is what he was trying to say in his Facebook post, but didn't say it quite as eloquently, is that I'm disappointed that there are so many people out there that do genuinely make it difficult to keep a business like this running, because it really is a nickel and dime business. So then that begs the next question then. What do you do with the stuff that, that is left behind that people don't pick up? What do you do with it? What is he? What, what should he do with it? Well, like Steve Ryan said, Steve, Joe, Bob, Ellen Ryan. That's your yeah. name. Okay. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> okay. um, you have to follow the rules that the store has set, which is if you don't come in after three weeks, that basically we stop pulling for you. And at that point, pretty much everything in that bag is still current, and that's your best shot at selling it when it's current. When it's six months old. It's no good because anybody that might want that stuff, you know, I'll wait another month and get the trade paperback. Why do, why do I want the single issues? Right. Well, you're talking comics. I'm talking about, you know, all the other crap, like statues and stuff like that. Well, that you know, that's a little trickier. You have to, that's why, A, you probably should take deposits on large ticket items simply to, to help protect yourself and sort of to gauge the other person's interest. Someone who really wants something yeah. probably isn't worried about giving a deposit. And people that want to sort of know how this works, they know that the statue is going to be six months down the road, this and that. I mean, you need to gauge interest, too, by that. But if I know that I can walk into a store and order it and I don't have to give any money and if I don't bother showing up again, there's no harm, no foul, hey, man, I'll order everything. What do I care? It's not a big deal. But, you know, again, that, that gets to making sure that you're protecting the business and protecting yourself, right. uh, which is more important than being a good guy, really. Back to what you said about it almost being like a social contract. I mean, we have books that we will say order like three copies, all for reservists, which means that these people have ordered this book, requested this book specifically, and yet by Thursday we will find one copy on the shelf, and no one will tell us which one doesn't want us anymore. And it becomes one of those things where all you have to do is say, I want to drop this book. It is the simplest thing. But people will still... Not say a word and just put it back on the shelf. Steve used to be pretty good at uh, bloodhounding those people, you know, sort of tracking them down and figuring out who it was based on what books sold that day and everything else. But, uh, you know, that is sort of tricky. We, 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 we still sometimes will if the pile is big enough. 
But like at this point, Steve just doesn't care anymore. So at this point, did it become like a majority of people doing this shit? Oh yeah, I would I would say at least probably seventy five percent of even our loyal customers, the people who who do pick up their stuff every week, will still put a book or two back. And it's we have a sign there saying. If you don't want the books, just tell us. You're not in trouble. You're not even required to buy the book if you say, I've decided to drop this book. All you have to do is tell us. But still, people will just put it back on the shelf, and Steve will order it the next month for these people because he doesn't know which one uh, doesn't want it. Steve Ryan, in addition to what you've just described, as well as people's inability to find books that are alphabetical on the shelf, what are some of your other pet peeves? By far, my number one is people who will come up put their books down to be rung up, and as I'm putting it into the cash register, we'll start to wander off and look at other things. And there there could be a line, there could not be a line. But at this point, I'm now just on hold, just waiting on these people to decide, are, are, are you finally finished? Are, are you still looking? And then another person won't come up, and I have to decide, well, do I wait on this person to finish shopping, or do I cancel out their order and start with this new person? Yeah, Brian, what the hell? Why do you do that? <laughs> hey, he puts up with it. <laughs> now I'm sure Brian is not one of the people who 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 does anything like that. No, or maybe no. he is. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to air some of your pet peeves <laughs> about uh Brian Claudio. All the things I hate about Brian. No, Brian is always <laughs> one who who will wait until there is absolutely no line and then just finally when he he will only do it when he's ready to go. I mean, he will be here for an hour with his little pile of stuff on the side, pestering them, bugging but, them. No, nah, Wednesday, it's it's fine. Why does this <laughs> Why does this guy fucking leave already? Why is he sticking around the store? No, we we have customers like that who will hang around. I mean, we have. Uh, have we been naming uh, like our cre- our uh, creepy customers? We have identified a good number of customer nicknames. By this creepy point. guy and his son. He's actually not one that we've spoken uh, about. He's, no, he's more recent. So I want to. I'll defer that one to you. You yeah. want to know what? I think I know who that is just by that description. So, so I don't does, work here. So does Paul. He's actually started going to Paul's shop, and we talked about it. Uh, Paul visited the store last week, and we talked about it. And just on the description alone, Paul knew exactly who we were talking about. Comes in all the time with his kid, and we'll look at all the comics, all the statues, and we'll comment on the stat on the female statues, like on their bust and on their shape and. Just in a really creepy manner in front of his kid, who I, I don't think could be more than 12, 13. And it just it makes everyone uncomfortable. He'll he'll talk to, he'll talk your ear off, even though you give him the polite conversational signs that I really have no intention of talking to you. But he will spend on minimum an hour and a half in the store just looking at every comic on the shelf. Like he has a list, so he knows exactly what he wants. But he will spend an hour and a half looking over every comic on the, sh- on the shelf, just looking at all the statues. Not necessarily going to buy any of the statues unless we have a sale. So when you spend like an hour at the, at the store, Brian, mm-hmm. that is fine. Like that, that's a joy compared to this guy. What's he saying to his kid about the the, the, the female statues? Oh no, she should she should have bigger breasts. No, she should have smaller breasts. Oh no, she she's got the perfect shape. The fact that everyone here at this table knows exactly what I'm talking about without. Any physical descriptions of this guy pretty much shows how creepy he is. There's another one who hasn't been identified yet. I don't know if this is too mean. If it is, I'll cut it out. <laughs> but uh, the bum. Ah, yes, the bum. The Does bum, the bum still come in? No, he, he hasn't been seen in a couple of weeks, and Steve is actually starting to worry a bit. But the bum was a is actually a high school a former high school teacher at the school I went to. I never had him as a teacher myself, but he would be 
sitting in the car. We open at two on Wednesdays. He would be sitting in his car by one o'clock in his car with his dog. Sit here. Brian is laughing hysterically already because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. But he's nicknamed the bum because he comes in and he smells like he hasn't washed ever. <laughs> Walk softly and carry a big stink. Honestly, aren't isn't that a lot of the customers? N- never have I've never had another customer comment on another customer. This guy gets comments like people know who he is and they try to avoid him because it is just a noxious smell that the counter is about two feet long. We will still get the smell from behind the counter. I never had the authority to ban customers, but I've always said if I did, if I could ban one customer, it would be him because mm. his purchases are small enough that it really wouldn't it wouldn't hurt us if he didn't come in anymore. And the experience is so unpleasant. I've tried to get someone uh, banned from the store, but it, it never worked. The uh, you know Brad Pitt. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he, he's a customer that I can't explain. I, I wasn't part of the naming process, but he's always coming in looking for deals, but he always goes through everything in the shop, even the stuff that we have put away that isn't currently for sale. And it got to the point where he would come in every week when I was working and just start going through everything. And I would, I would flag him down and say, sorry, that's not for sale every week, not for sale, not for sale. And it got to the point where the guy called me an asshole and I'm like, He's like, you know, you, you you come in, you're an asshole. I'm like, well, feel free not to come back. And he's like, you you don't have the authority to say that. I'm like, I don't care. Don't come back. If you want to complain, complain to Steve. I don't care. Go to hell. Oh, when was this? This was probably about six months ago. Nothing ever came of it. The guy still comes in, and because he has a very good collection, Steve treats him very nicely, and I've just said the hell with it. I don't care enough. Man, you are so Steve. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man, you took the words right out of my mouth. You know, it's funny, though, because your experience working here is, is different than probably the rest of us because at this point, like I said, you are really the, the primary employee. You and I had some overlap where we would work some Wednesdays together towards the end of my tenure here. But now, you know, Sean works every other Saturday, but that's it. Other than that, you, you're the only one who's working here, so it's just you and Steve. And like I said... Everyone, like, when you first started working here, I mean, you, we all talked about it and just the, the craziness that is Steve, you know, how he feels about the customers, how we, it's this love-hate thing. But you genuinely start to see 90% of the customers will be absolutely fine, but you'll hit this 10% that just make you want to just, like, well, murder people. <laughs> you were here at the wrong time. I know a whole generation before... You guys, I first came to the shop in 95 when I got back from college. I think one of the first things I did was sell old Star Wars toys. There's definitely an ebb and flow to the energy of the store based on the number of owners and the number of what I'll call full-time employees. Obviously, uh, Desi, when uh, you and Tom were working here together and you were working here with Sean, and to a certain extent, no matter what, Steve was doing or what he wanted to do, you guys fed off each other and came up with ideas and did whatever you guys wanted to do. There was a lot more fun with it. And back when I was an owner of the store with Steve and with Brandon and with Metalhead, and back then there were a lot more people that were around. Casey was around in that time period. Bill was around. Bill's younger brother, Mike, was around. I mean, we would go out to dinner Saturday night and come back from dinner. And this is when dinner started at eight, not at six. We get back at 10 o'clock and we'd work till two or three or four in the morning 
not for pay, but just for fun, rearranging the store, cleaning it, doing everything else. You unfortunately have worked at a time where there was there wasn't another eager person around. There wasn't someone else with energy. There wasn't someone else that still had hope for the store that it was going to do well for you to feed off of. So you were here sort of at a, an inopportune moment to take advantage of the store and really the fun you could have with it. Uh, but yes, to, to that extent, you've been here too long and gotten a little too jaded. But if you had been here in the years past, you probably would have had more fun with it. And I don't want to say you've had a negative experience with the store, but you would have had a more positive experience and maybe would have remembered it more fondly. When you started here, what was the attitude going in? Like, What what hope, if any, did you have? What aspirations for, for the store or the job did you come in with? I can't say I really had any aspirations or hope of what the store could be because when I started, you, Tom, and Sean were all here, and I would say it was towards the end of you and Tom being here, and you guys were just so clear in the fact that don't don't bother. It's the don't don't put any effort into it. It won't whoa, it won't make a difference. Whoa, whoa. I don't I, I disagree. You got you guys did your sales and everything, but you, you would make it clear like, you know, don't bother, you know, rearrange it. Well no. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I call uh I call shenanigans on that. I don't <laughs> Sean more so than See, you. I know exactly what Steve's trying to say because for Years and years, I worked my regular job during the week, and then Saturdays I would come in and watch the store so Steve would have a day off. By the time I was done, and you sort of know this, and again, not to put down Steve because it's not fair, but th- the way that we used to phrase it, Bill and I and a few others, is it's not worth cleaning the store because any space you clean is just more space for junk to get thrown up and piled up again. And, and, th- and that's probably where... Anthony and Tom and Sean to a certain extent where they said it's like trying to empty out the ocean with a cup you can keep scooping keep scooping keep scooping but the fact of the matter is is that it's just going to fill up you know whatever it is it's going to fill up with water again yeah so so why bother it's like if you leave the mess it actually limits the mess as opposed to cleaning up, and then the mess just starts all over again. Yeah, that's definitely a better way of putting it than what I said. And that, I, I can identify with that, and I, I do agree, because as, you know, Drew, as you said, I mean, you know, all those those spaces you cleared off, eventually you saw them being filled up again. And speaking for myself personally, yeah, I mean, that definitely did get discouraging. So, right, by the time I was done, I probably had learned that lesson, that if you <laughs> if you clean up too much, it'll just be filled up with something else. So maybe that's what, you know, I was, I was projecting. Well, how would Odo feel about all this cleaning and rearranging? I mean, was he into it did he bitch at you when you did it i think when we did take initiative and and did things like that i don't think he was ever really opposed i think he appreciated what we were doing i said this before the biggest issue we would run into is we would try to put things out for sale like sealed boxes of action figures for example that he wasn't ready to put out yet that could cause a little bit of tension but as far as cleaning and rearranging generally he seemed to be cool with it did he ever say anything or just mums the word I mean, I feel like he voiced his approval when we did things, but may- I don't know. Maybe I'm just imagining that. <laughs> so, sometimes with Steve, it's not so much voicing his approval as much as, well, he didn't voice his disapproval, <laughs> so I guess it's okay. Yeah, I don't, you know, it's funny you ask that because, like, I don't really have a clear memory of him being like, great job, guys. The store looks great. But maybe he did. I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say that he didn't, but I, I can't say that I have a, a really distinct memory. Hey, of that I've happening. seen how he's treated interns in this joint, so maybe not. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, that's true. You know, uh, you have one up on us, Steve Ryan, because during your tenure here, Steve has had a couple of, of different interns coming through. Yeah, it's uh, there's been this project. I think it's Edgemont or Scarsdale High School. One of these things has they want their students as a senior project to intern at a local business. And people who have had kids here that have known, you know, the people that know Steve and have kids in the school, they try and get their kids in here. Unfortunately for them, it has backfired so terribly. And the fact that they have learned nothing about actual running a business, but they've cleaned the bathrooms. I felt bad, man. There was one intern who Steve had him clean the bathroom. So he, this poor kid, he goes back there with all the cleaning supplies and closes the door. And he's in there for a good while. I mean, that bathroom was was spotless. I mean, he did a really nice job, but you know, he was in a in an enclosed space for too long, inhaling all those fumes. And he came out, and we thought he was going to pass out. We actually actually talked about that while he was in there. Like, should he, we haven't heard from him for a while? Is he back there? Like, should we go check on him? Odo always compares this store to to a ship. He is the captain. Oh, uh, you hang your head like that, and I, we'll get to that. But so he's the captain. I achieved rank of of deck boss which I might have been stripped of it by now, or maybe by the time he listens to these episodes, I will be. But, you know, so it goes. What What is your uh, what is your rank? I've never been given an actual official uh, declaration of my status on the boat, so I just want to be Sheriff Brody from Jaws, where I'm on the boat, I know what's going on, but there's no official ranking. Did you ever have any aspiration that, it, you know, especially as Steve has gotten more specific about not wanting to do this anymore, did you have any aspiration that he would sort of hand the reins over to you? Not even necessarily sell you the store, but like really make you a true manager and have you do the order form and do all the stuff that he does now. Was there ever that that thought? I've always joked about it, uh, but no. The only the only time I've ever had any not intentions of that, but uh, there was a point when he was complaining about all the reasons he was closing the store, and Brian was here and he brought up all the facts of why don't you let him do it. And I'm standing here just going like, no, I'm, I'm with Brian. I'll do all the work you assign me. That's fine. But he just, Steve is always of the mind that he has to do it. The, 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 the weight of the store is always on his shoulders and he can't share it. Which always freaked me out. I'm like, why would he do that? I mean, why put so much pressure on yourself? Last year, I actually met the owner of the uh, Candlelight Inn, a restaurant down the block from here. And this guy was in his 80s. Okay. And, you know, he comes in and he's like a rock star. Everyone, oh, look who's here. And, and he's buying shots and he's buying drinks for everybody. And everyone's, hey, going up to him. And I, I was telling Steve, you know, you could have that. You could, you know, you can come in twice a week and do your rock star thing here, you know. Everyone, you know, you come in, oh, it's, it's Odo, hey, you know. And everyone's, hey, go, you know, and, he, and he's shaking hands and hanging out and giving out free comic books. You know, he'll never do that. But, you know, in other words, he'll have, you know, he'll be, everyone will be appreciative to see him. But for some reason, he's like, he got this like, this like chokehold on this place where if, if anything else, if any, if anyone else grabs it, you know, it's going to fall apart. He has to hold on to it. Yeah, I don't think it's in his nature. What has the mood been here, you know, since the, since the closing announcement was made amongst, amongst the customers and, and what you've observed between them and, and Odo? Among the regulars, a lot of frustration, I see. I see a lot of people pretty... Um, I guess pissed, and I wouldn't say they're pissed off at at Steve. I think they're just pissed off at the situation. You know, I think a lot of people like coming here. They've been coming here for years. Um, they, you know, they 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 dig the whole you know clubhouse atmosphere of the place. 
Uh, I think they dig the whole, you know, flea market look of the place. Uh, among them, um, I, I see a lot of frustration and, and, and even anger. I, I wouldn't say they're angry at Steve. And how have you felt about all of this? Um, at first, I was actually, actually, at first, I was a little angry, you know, but I was like, wait a minute, you know, this, this guy's like, you know, he's, he's getting on years. He's had enough of this shit, you know, if, if he wants to move on, let him move on. You know, I mean, he's more than than worked here. And, and gone through this for so many years, <laughs> you know? I, I, shit, I was in my 30s when I first came here, you know, my early 30s, so... You mentioned the, you know, the flea market-like atmosphere of this place. And, you know, look, that's something that we've, we've all been bringing up in these episodes, you know, what, the state of the store as it currently is. I mean, how do you, how do you feel? I mean, as a... Because, you know, it's funny. A lot of the, uh, the frustrations that we've been voicing, they're coming from, you know, from the inside, from the people working here and the right. people you know, the, the friends of AR, you know, category, you know, from the customer's point of view, how do you feel when you come in and you see the store like this? Are you like, do you, do you subscribe to Steve's theory that, oh, it's, it's an opportunity for discovery and I could find some treasures or are you like this? You're laughing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because that's exactly what you do at a flea market. You know, you basically at a flea market, you set up and you'll set up boxes, you know, deep boxes and people will dig through them. And ha that's the kind of setup he has here. Now, I don't know if every customer is into that. You know, I'm sure there are people that, customers that walk in here and go, holy shit, this place is a fucking mess, and then walk out again. You know, but just for me personally, I love that kind of shit. I love digging through boxes and discovering that, holy crap, look what's here, you know. And as, and as far as, you know, even with comic books, that's what, people, that's what we do as comic book fans anyway. We sit there and dig through the boxes. You know, where's that goddamn issue, you know, that I've been looking for? Yeah, but your collection, just based on what I've seen in the documentary, is extremely well organized. Everything's in its place. You know, I mean, so as a collector, you recognize that you like to have things in order. You, you know, a place for everything and everything in its place. So wouldn't you like to see that in a store also? I mean, when it comes down to it, okay, I guess there are two types of buyers. There's someone who wants to walk in, wants the store to look like, a supermarket, right. everything is in its place, they know where to find it, they can come in and get it, and then they leave. And there's other guys who sort of enjoy the search and this and that, which is great. But if the store is orderly, if everything's where it should be, you can still appeal or appease both types of customers. Because even if someone who likes to search can't search because everything's in order, they can still look and find something they like. Right. But you'll turn off a number of people when the store is a mess. Oh, I agree. That's yeah. the pro So yes. it comes down to where it's, it, it's, I find it a little ironic that Steve's ideal store is the Joker's child out in New Jersey. He thinks it's fantastic. And that place is pristine. So it, it's, it's, I find it funny that that's his ideal store. That's what he likes. That's what he tries to, I guess, model this store after to an extent. But then defends the fact that his store is almost the exact opposite of that place. I just love, you know, I love, I love flea markets. I'm a flea market junkie. You know, I go, during uh, Memorial Day weekend, I went to four of them in a single weekend. <laughs> okay, so I just, and you know, the fact of just, you know, digging through boxes is not a big deal to me. So I see a comic shop like that, I'm like, wow, it's Christmas, you know, just start digging. Now suppose you did your digging. Mm-hmm. You're at a flea market. Mm -hmm. 
you're up at what, Stormville? Is that what it is? Stormville. There's a couple Where, of Poughkeepsie, okay. Fishkill. You yeah. go and you're digging. It's great. You pull a bunch of stuff out. Uh, that's not for sale. Well, see, that would suck. Okay. That's what. Uh, okay. Yeah, so that's what he know, does. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's that's part of the anti. Oh, there's a treasure everywhere, but yeah, you know, but sorry, you can't buy that treasure. What's the best thing that you found here? It's funny. I, actually, one thing I bought here, and I even forgot I bought it here uh, years ago, was um, I was going through my comics, and I had a Spider-Man 6, which is the first lizard. I'm like, where the fuck did I get this? Where, where did I buy I couldn't believe I had one. I was like, where did this come from? And I remembered, oh, yeah, I got it here. I got an alternate. But as far as digging, just you know, little things. Nothing huge, nothing major, because if it was, Steve wouldn't have it in a box somewhere. He'd have it out, you know... Case. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't about, know that. about that. That's the trick. <laughs> my my question is, when was the last time you went digging through all through all this? Uh, I have. You you typically on Wednesdays, you know, you go, you have your stuff that's on the reserve for you in the back, and you typically grab that and we hang out for a bit. But I very rarely see you just start digging through the all the piles. Here's the sad thing: I've dug through all these piles. For, you know, this all of these piles have been sitting here for a long, long time. And I've dug through just about all of them. So I basically know what's in the store. I'd rather, if, if Steve would let me, I'd rather go into the back room and go digging through there. I'm sure I'll find a lot of good shit back there. Well, Brian, you are one of the few customers who is allowed in the back room. I mean, that's not a privilege bestowed upon everyone who walks through the door. I'm so honored. Yeah. <laughs> also, I, wanna, I just want to point this out. For, for customers of the store who are listening to this, who might not know Brian Claudio by name, you would likely recognize him. He's the gentleman who, who bikes to the store you've biked to the store for for how long now oh geez um since i guess since, since the mid 90s whenever it's good weather during the spring summer dressed all in black well you know black jogging pants black t-shirt it's not that bad well the irony is not wearing an overcoat the irony <laughs> is that you, you you talk about bike to the store you mean a bicycle yeah yet you dress almost like a biker <laughs> That's like funny. I expect, like first time I met you, I expected you to see you riding up on a Harley. A Harley, nah. <laughs> Steve Ryan, let me. I'll toss it back to you then. Uh, as far as what the mood has been like among customers, what have they been expressing to you? It's been very weird because obviously, we, I think you've covered it on this. We've done the back and forth, back and forth on we're selling the store, we're not selling the store, we're selling the store, we're not selling the store. But we've been getting a lot of people in who've like, I haven't been here in years, but I had to come back and see it one last time before it closed. And it was like, well, thank, thank, thanks for your business that's kept us in. The <laughs> you know, it, it's hard to be like, yeah, well, thanks for coming. I mean, if you had come more, maybe we wouldn't be closing. But, um, but no, we for the regulars, it's been it's been a roller coaster because, you know, one week and there'll be a sign on the door saying closing. One week it'll say not closing. And they don't know what to expect when they walk in, but for the, for the weeks we've been closing, they've been uh, very disappointed. And you know, I mean, we've had we had one um, Andy S O M. Uh, he came in, and when we told him the first time that we were closing, like he got visibly stricken. Like he he like you could tell he was sick to his stomach over it. But for other customers, like and then when we've been uh, told that we're selling, you know, oh, that's very happy. And, I don't have to go anywhere, but it's always been, for most of them, it's been, I don't want to say selfish because obviously they don't owe anything to the store, but there's, it's been always like, you're closing? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go for my comics? Most people have not, like, will be complaining to me, like, I have to go to a different place to get my comics, and I'm just staring, I'm like, 
I have to find a new job. <laughs> you mentioned before how, like, people ask you, why don't you specifically, Steve Ryan, you know, take more initiative to, to clean things up or to start projects? I mean, I guess you answered this, but apparently <laughs> us outgoing employees didn't inspire you sufficiently. <laughs> but, I mean, what sort of... Um, what sorts of things does Steve have you do? Like, does he give you, does he give you projects? Does he give you lists of things to do? How do I mean, how does it work? I mean, he does, but it's always, I don't, it's nothing out of the ordinary. It's make bags and boards, restock, uh, you know, occasionally call these people, tell them to come get their stuff. I mean, it's, it's been nothing out of the open. Sean's usually the one that comes in and asks for a special project like grading books or anything like that. Are there any projects that you you would have wanted to do but you you felt like it wouldn't be well received or that it wouldn't be worth it not really i mean for the stuff i've i've done taking the initiative to do it was basically just the stuff i've had interest in which is like rearranging the shelves with the toys on them we all have things like that so for me i was really on top of the trade paperbacks because i love the trades that's what i read primarily you know so that was sort of my pet project uh for sean it's, it's grading older books drew for you this is one of the things I wanted to bring up. Um, I always remember you rearranging the statues. I'm a big proponent of presentation. Make sure that things look nice because, you know, if the customers know that you're taking care of the stuff, then I think it's a good thing. So I would always come in, and this is even long after I stopped working here, I'd come in and rearrange the statues. I'd take the statues out, clean the shelves, Windex everything, put the statues back in, rearrange them. But has, as has been mentioned in a previous podcast, you can have the same stuff sitting in a showcase month after month after month. But if you rearrange it and it looks different, even the same person can come in, they'll notice that it's changed, that something's different, even if it's all the same stuff. They'll notice it and they'll look. Maybe they'll pick something up. Something looks different. Looking at it at eye level as opposed to looking down at it. Uh, just getting a different angle. The light hits it differently, whatever it is. As fans of that stuff, we knew what we wanted to see when we walked into a store. And that's important. We as That's the thing that Steve lost. Even when we worked here, we're still customers because we still liked the product. Steve lost interest in the product a long time ago. And that, that hurt him somewhat. And that he could no longer look at the store from the perspective of a customer. To, to your point of uh, Steve doesn't believe that switching the stuff around will change it because he had a bet with um, one of our customers, Mike Pellerito, president of RG Comics. If we put on one of our main uh, display cases towards the front or one of the magazine racks, if we put trades of all the stuff that had movies coming out that year, would they sell better than if we just kept them on the shelves normally? Steve genuinely did not think that... Uh, putting this stuff out for where people could see it as the movies were coming out would increase the sales. And they did, but just, just enough that Mike won the bet. You know, that was actually, that point specifically is something that was brought up in the business school episode about, you know, when you have something like, like one of these superhero movies out in theaters to have the product that inspired it easily accessible and, 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 you know, right there when, when customers walk in. But, you know, one thing that I have said about Steve and I stand by this, and this, I suppose, is a compliment. He always has a reason for everything. So if he were to listen to that episode, Steve would point to exactly what you just described, Steve Ryan, about, you know, we, we had this competition, and yeah, Mike won, but, but like barely, right? Like it didn't really make that much of a difference. So Steve 
there's never been one time where I've I've asked him why, and he's been like, oh, I don't know. He always has, you might not agree with him, but he always has a reason. And to the point now, I think he will never admit it, but he has taken the 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 point to heart because now in one of our front magazine cases we have all the trades of the walking dead because it's the show hugely popular now that but that's because steve likes the walking dead so he's trying to push it and again this comes back to my thought process that there's a, a big difference between doing work and running a business he should stick to that formula for everything you like when i go home and i have statues out i put out what i like i don't care about it but i'm not trying to sell any of that stuff it's for me to look at the store is for the customer to look at the store is here just it's to sell stuff it's here to make money it's the only reason it exists back to the statues this is one that kills me gentle giant started making their star wars busts and statues whenever it was in the late 90s one of the first lines that they came out with it was during attack of the clones so it must have been 2002 gentle giant started making busts they were okay looking not great it was you know count dooku and Django fett and i think mace windu was one of them and there was an obi-wan from that and you know they didn't do too well because the movies were kind of terrible then they started coming out with original trilogy stuff and they were coming out with darth vader it's a great bust Bill Mayo and I said, Steve, order like 20 or 30 of these things. And Steve said, yeah, but no, you know, no one's buying the other ones. No one really cares about Star Wars. No, but this is Darth Vader. It's the original trilogy. It looks great. Buy it. He actually refused to buy any for the store. I said, well, can you please at least order one for me? That bust, which they made about 3,500 of, so it was not rare, eventually became a $400 bust on ebay we would have sold 20 or 30 of them easily at the 50 dollars retail but steve much like the walking dead puts too much of his personal interest into what he purchases as opposed to saying what is the customer base looking for what do my customers want look at that like we got like 500 copies of marvel apes number one or something I don't know why why he ordered that. I don't know. Did anyone ask for that? I oh no man, I'm you know you Mar- were here when that came in. Marvel Apes has not come up yet in this podcast, and I'm actually kind of shocked that it hasn't because that one drove me nuts, and it also drove Tom nuts because we talked about this in the episode that he did. But um, when we would do the cycle sheet counts, you know, there were certain books that it was always the same number of copies every week because they didn't move, and Marvel Apes was one of them. He ordered. 150 copies of that book and sold really just a fraction of it. I mean, we were left with a ton. And he ordered it for the exact reason that you just described, because it's something that he likes. Same thing happened with uh, DC Retroactive, which was a series of one-shots that DC put out like a couple of years ago. And they were, I think, reprints of older stories, plus some new stories that were set in the past, something like that. Done in the old style. Right. And he, you know, again, something that he would like, and he ordered a lot. And I mean, I, you know, you were here for that. I mean, how did that do? That that did about the same. And to to Drew's point, he w- Steve would joke with us that if any of us were in the store, I, I remember he sp- said specifically to Sean, you know, if you were in the store, it would be all Captain America and uh, Green Lantern. Or I think I was Captain America, Sean would be all Green Lantern. And it's like, 
it's a bit of a glass house there because, I mean, we have these universal monster figures that have sold okay, but we have a fair amount of Godzilla stuff scattered around the store because Lee Steve loves Godzilla. We don't have too many other customers that love Godzilla, but we have Steve that loves Godzilla. So are you saying that he basically thinks that anyone who would run a store the same way he would run a store? But but not but not realizing that he runs it that way, right? Without the without the sense of irony that he does the same thing, right? Speaking of running the store, Drew, you were an owner for how long? Uh, not too long, actually, for about a year. I was a ten percent shareholder, so we all we all had percentages. Steve was fifty, Metal and Brandon were twenty, and I was ten. I generally myself had fun, though there were certainly uh, many days where heads were butting together you know democracy doesn't work in a corporation or whatever saying is i still think that when it comes down to it steve was always if not happier more relaxed when there were other owners because he knew that one way or another it wasn't all on him everybody was more at peace because everybody knew well you know we're all sort of making the decision together and if all four of us are wrong we can live with that I want to shift and, and, and talk specifically about Steve's exit strategy. Much has been said about these great friendships that we made, and a testament to that, Drew, is the fact that when I moved a year ago, uh, you helped, along with a couple of other guys from the store. And not only did you help, but you, I mean, you really ran the show. I mean, it was amazing. I've, I mean, I feel like you're really, you're missing out on your, your true calling of, like, owning a moving company. The way, I mean, you guys didn't see it, but it's, it's like Tetris. Like, this guy knew exactly how to get everything in that truck and fit perfectly. I mean, it's, it's a skill, and you did it amazingly. I've always had a, I've been, always been good at puzzles physically looking at things and understanding spatial relationships and my parents say I should have been an engineer and or an architect or something like that and you know I just never wanted to go through the schooling for that but uh, yeah I've always been good with just sort of looking at something and seeing how things should physically fit together but yeah but even just looking at the old school clothes hampers in in bathrooms and saying don't rip it out of the wall that holds 18 rolls of toilet paper with an easy reach of the can hold on and that's probably the best advice i gave you in your new apartment yeah and i took it and i stand by it it yeah, works great it's beautiful so I'm, I'm very happy to say that the new apartment that uh, gina and i are purchasing has one of those in the hallway bathroom and we will be using that for toilet paper because it's the greatest thing ever exactly so you are i mean again i would really describe you as a moving savant so that brings me to my next question. <laughs> Truthfully. So we are sitting in alternate realities right now. It's a little past 10 o'clock on Tuesday, June 2nd. The store closes in exactly four weeks. Steve Ryan, I mean, how much has been cleared out as of this point? For our listeners who can't see, how much of the store has been emptied out already? Four weeks before the end. As far as the front goes, it's been some trades and... Mostly from the sales we've been having, we cleared out a lot of statues. But what Steve has been doing has been mostly prep work the past couple of weeks of getting the uh, clearing off the shelves in the back, dismantling the steel shelving, getting it to the warehouse, and now he has to have a second warehouse uh, space. And so he's been transferring all the, all the stuff he's been transferring has been from the back. And as far as I've been told, we're having a big sale on uh, Wednesday. Obviously, by the time this goes up, it'll have passed. Uh, but after the sale goes, that's when he starts to get very serious about getting, just clearing everything out. He's figured out that if he rents a truck midweek, it's cheaper than doing it on a weekend. So I think from what I've been told, his plans are just uh, once a week, 
to rent the van and just pile everything he can, fill it up, get it to the warehouse. So, so, he, so is he planning to like basically pack the, all the stuff himself? Pretty much, yeah. Shit. So now I'll turn to Drew. A while back, you and a number of other guys helped Jay Mizell clear all of his stuff out of his booth at the Porchester Flea Market uh, when it closed. So you have firsthand experience of what it's like to empty out a comic book store, one that's really just a fraction of the size of this. My thought when Steve was planning on closing the store was the store, the lease ends at the end of June, June 30th. Steve should be closing the door June 1st and then for a month clean up the store get everything ready and move out. You you don't necessarily want to take merchandise out of the store that could potentially be sold. At the same point, you, you know, there's going to have to be a period of time when you're just spending time closing the place up. I mean, what good is it to have the store open those last 2 weeks and have, you know, in theory 80 or 90% of the stuff gone? You're you're not achieving anything. You're better off just saying I'm going to not be open those last two or three weeks and then take all the time I need to properly pack up and move and get out of here. The trick is, is that Steve is taking a, you know, I I guess it's 1500 square feet here, roughly 1100 retail, you know, 400 in storage and trying to fit it into however many square feet the, the storage is over at, uh, at West. Do Do you have any idea how, large the storage areas are that he has? No, but I know he did just buy, I have to buy a second one. If I own the store and I had all this merchandise in here, my first thought would be, what do I have a legitimate chance of being able to sell online and make some money on? Because to take something with you that has very little value and to pay storage fees to keep it and not be able to sell, I mean, you know, it doesn't make sense. There's no reason to take stuff with you. I would try to wholesale a lot of the stuff out. Have someone come and pay you to take it away for you, basically. Contact other comic shops. Say, I've got a bunch of trade paperbacks, if you're interested. I've got statues. I've got toys. Come on in and take it. Because to think about how long it would take to sell all the stuff online, if possible, why spend the money to store it? and sell it just to get the money back that you're spending to store it. It doesn't make sense. I mean, that's my issue with this exit strategy. And I mean, here I am. I'm once again second-guessing him, and it's it just doesn't add up to me. Because, I mean, again, for all the reasons that you just said, I mean, you're, you're taking the time to move it. You're, you have to, uh, you know, purchase a second storage unit. So you're, you're paying more money to store it. And then when you go to sell it on, on eBay, there's the time involved in listing it. There's the cost involved in listing it. You know, eBay takes a cut. PayPal takes a cut. You have to ship it. And again, going back to the the valuation of of the merchandise, of all this stock, I don't know if if people are really, if eBay buyers are really clamoring for a lot of this stuff. Maybe they are. But if they are, here's the other issue that you run into. As we all know, you know, Steve is not a fan of, of deep discounts. Maybe he will adjust his approach on eBay. I'm not sure. But... If he's looking for, for even close to retail on a lot of this stuff, I think he's going to be disappointed. Brian, you're rolling your eyes over there. What do you? What's your take? 
My take is he just sold everything for cost to make the money back, break even. You are active on eBay, right? You buy a lot of stuff on there. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've bought and sold stuff on eBay. You know, as far as all this stuff, he'd have to live another 50 years to sell all this crap, okay? Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, when I had Ann on here, we you know, we asked her about this. I cut it from the episode, but we did talk about it while she was here. And, and you know, we asked why why not sell as much as you can now, at, as, as even if you have to discount it deeply just to get it out rather than, you know, move it to the warehouse and go through eBay. And she was like, well, I don't know. I think it's, you know, six of one or half a dozen or another of another. But I don't know. I mean, it seems like there there is a big difference between the two. There's there's a cost to holding on to this right. stuff, which has to be recognized also. Again, getting back to the move, since Steve is insistent on taking everything with him, which is great, it's imperative that it be organized properly in the warehouse that's not even organized properly here well but 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 the point is that that this is the opportunity right since it all has to be moved it's the opportunity to make sure that it is organized that everything that all the the marvel masterworks are together and all the dc archives are together and that it, it hopefully it's alphabetized or it's, it's sorted in such a way so that maybe steve can do shows if he wants to and bring it along but, th- but then again you know you're paying a thousand, two thousand dollars to go do a show to try and dump stuff. I mean, again, it, it at the end of the day, it's going to get dumped, or it's going to cost money to keep it, or it's going to cost money to sell it. Well, that goes it, back to your point, also of he has, you know, he should close the, the, the store two weeks early so he could actually sort through all this stuff, organize it, and then remove it in well, an orderly fashion. It, it, exactly. Yeah, there's a certain there's a law of diminishing returns, and these two weeks that the store would remain open. It's not worth whatever sales you may get relative to the long term of making sure everything's organized so that you can sell it more easily. Then, I mean, what, you know, right. if he's just got two warehouses full of stuff and he's just randomly pulling a box out to put up on eBay every now and again, I mean, I mean, you could do it, obviously. You know, in the interest of fairness, I don't want us to just keep beating up on this guy. I mean, is what are we missing? What what don't we know about his process? What is it that that makes this all make sense? Well, I think it, it was all. He was essentially really, pardon my French, fucked over by the guy who was going to buy the store, by the fact that he was going to buy the store, so that means Steve had to cancel the sales because he didn't want to uh, get rid of more stuff and have to take out a lesser price from uh, selling the store. And then that slowed everything down, and then he couldn't move, he couldn't move anything out, and then the guy last minute just goes, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do it. It's like, well, Jesus, man, you just fucked this over completely. I think the his exit strategy now is for lack of a better term classic steve where it is that optimism that everything will work out for the best when you know obviously all the strategies you guys have put forward are obviously the worst case scenario get your money out now just play it safe when steve is like but i can sell it and you you know steve steve is like you know he he genuinely believes every one of these figures he will sell at retail, right. everything sells. Jane, was that James and the Giant Peach thing that 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 um, Casey bitches about in the movie? Oh yeah, yeah. Eventually, that did sell, right? I sold that for a dollar. A dollar. Well, it did sell to a participant in the documentary yeah. who wanted it as a souvenir. Yeah. I mean, let's you know be fair here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, what what Steve should do is, you know, to to coin the vernacular for when people come with a comic book collection is cherry pick the store assess what's valuable what what really can be sold 
you don't want to nickel and dime on e- you don't want to sell things for two dollars on eBay. It's a pain in the butt. It's not worth it. People don't buy stuff like that, generally speaking. But you know, if he can take the stuff that has value, or even that he can go to a show, you mean like Marvel Apes? Marvel Apes, <laughs> exactly. But but you know, Marvel Apes is a great example of something that he should literally probably just throw out. It's never going to have value, but to pay to store that just it doesn't make sense. Donate it's, it to a school, maybe. Well, you know? yeah, do yeah. whatever. I mean, yeah. you know, use just toilet paper. I don't know. Give <laughs> give them away now. You know, give you know. I don't know. Have free comic book day out of his garage next year and give them away. You know, he could very easily, you know, approach other. Again, there are not too many comic shops in the area. But if you went to somebody and said, "Look, give me ten cents on the dollar for every independent trade paperback I have," which really probably don't have a lot of value, it's worth it. Just so it's not taking up space. You know, realistically speaking, not everything has value. You just have to sort of understand that. You know, everything in the store has been paid for. I mean, everything in the store, every, any money he gets now is is found money. Everything is paid. He's not paying bills on anything that's sitting here. Any, any money he gets off of anything is money in his pocket. It's not going to pay the next diamond bill. It's not going to pay the rent. It's not going to pay the electrical bill or, you know, he'll have one more of those at the end of the month. It's going to pay for storage though. Well, but, <laughs> but that's it. He's yeah. going to be, he's going to need to sell, you know, he's going back, to, he's paying, he's still paying rent. He's just going to be paying less rent with a non-active audience and not getting in new merchandise, but he's literally going to be paying however many hundreds, if not thousands of dollars a month rent for the merchandise. But he's not going to have people walking in there to buy stuff. He's going to have to actively, really actively sell. Flea markets. Flea markets, (laughs) eBay, Amazon. So again, that's when it comes down to, you know, where do you draw the line between what is worth taking with me and what's not worth the effort and there's plenty here that's worth taking i mean all the hardcovers and and other stuff and comic books and this and that i mean but you have to decide what where where is the the turning point where's the diminishing marginal return at what point is the effort too much versus what you're going to get back out of it you know which i know is a different thing from how do you pack up the store and how do you move it out but part of that is saying well, what's really worth putting that effort into packing and bringing with me and keeping order? I know he's been talking to Paul about like taking all the supplies he has, but to a certain extent, it, it would I think it would be psychologically easier on him if there wasn't as much clutter and if he knew what he had could be sold and there was light at the end of the the tunnel and everything. But we talking about the same guy. <laughs> no, but <laughs> Steve, Steve's Steve's not stupid. I mean, you know, Steve, you know, knows what to do and knows knows what he's doing. Steve Ryan, when he shares his plans with you, what do you do? You, are you just like sounds good? Or I mean, what do you what do you does he discuss it with you? I mean, he he'll he'll tell me his plans. I I don't ever argue with someone I can't win the argument with. That's a rule I have. And so I, I don't argue with Steve. If I think it's a bad idea, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. I'll suggest an alternative. But if he doesn't take it, do whatever you want, man. This is your stuff. This is your store. Go for it. 
no, I mean, I, that's probably the right attitude. I mean, I'm driving myself nuts thinking about this stuff. And it's like, uh, it, I'm like banging my head against the wall. I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. As I understand it, he doesn't want to do ongoing deep discounts. The sense I get is because he, you know, he feels like people didn't buy this stuff before. He doesn't want to discount it to them now. Is it that? Is it that? I don't know. He hasn't, he hasn't explained it to me because the sales stopped when the buyer was going to buy the store and Steve didn't want to take a hit on the selling price by selling more of the merchandise than we already have. I sort of reacted for a second when you mentioned stopping the sales. I don't know why Steve did that. I mean, ideally, I would think you tell the buyer, that's great and all, but until there's signed paperwork and until there's money in my hand, I'm going to continue running the store as if it's closing. And that's the problem. Steve Steve ran it on faith that this guy was good and it... You know, those of us, we that's when I was banging my head against the wall. And it's like, this was a guy who I think like six months earlier tried to buy the store. And we went through the same thing of he was going to buy the store, but then he doesn't need to, you know, he's dragging his feet. And then all of a sudden he can't get the money that he supposedly has. And then we get a notice from him that sounds a lot like lawyers speak about why he can't buy the store. And then he just flat out disappears on us. And it's he did that once. And then he was going to do it again. Uh, you know, he was going to buy the store again. And then he did that same thing again. And those of us that didn't have faith in uh, the buyer to begin with are just banging our heads like going back to an ex-girlfriend. She's going to screw you over again. That You're, you're going to get screwed again. But Steve had faith in this guy and it backfired again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like the customer who orders a special item and, and you know, then stiffs him for it. I mean, just on a larger scale. Yeah. And, um you know, in the, in the last announcement, he, I mean, he calls out the, the potential buyer, not yeah. by name, but he, you know, basically says, like, I'm in this tough spot now because this guy was going to buy the store. Now he's not. If you know you have to be out of here by June 30th, I mean, yeah, you got to have, you got to have some signed papers. You got to have some sort of down payment in place. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you got to continue the sales. You have to continue operating under the assumption that you're closing unless you really have something specific. Hey, on a lighter note, Drew, you got any uh, funny stories you want to tell? <laughs> uh, okay put me on the spot um and one you know one thing that i i asked you about ahead of time was um you know pranks you know within the time that i've been working here we certainly had our share of fun but not really pranks we didn't really you know pull stuff on each other like that but i feel like that's something that happened a little bit more back in the day yeah we, we never i can't say that there were too many pranks we definitely goofed around a little bit there used to be more bets made back in the day uh, always in fun, but also everyone always sort of took it seriously. And there was one period of time when uh, Steve and I made a bet who could stop drinking soda for a longer period of time. And it was completely based on the honor system. And I know Steve well enough, and Steve knows me well enough, that we're not going to lie about it. If, if we say we didn't drink soda, then we didn't drink soda because we're, we're both honest to a, a almost to a stubborn level for stuff like that. We actually ended up going for about six months before we just said, look, let's just call it a truce because we both like soda. And at this rate, neither of us are going to drink soda ever again. And uh, we went to a Taco Bell to celebrate and Evan, you know, Steve's son was with us and uh, Steve maintains to this day that Evan leaned over and says he sipped first. (laughs) So so I technically (laughs) drank before Steve did, even though he said we're going to drink at the same time. Um, but at one point, uh, Bill Mayo helped me uh, plant Mountain Dew, Steve's favorite soda, throughout the store. And uh, this is, you know, back when we sort of 
you know, came and went from the store as you please. We had keys. And it was after one of the Saturday night dinners that we came back and we went to the A&P next door, purchased uh, a number of 12-ounce cans. It might have been a case or two that we picked up. We purchased some uh, two-liter bottles and everything and placed them everywhere in the store that Steve may look on that Sunday. So they were sitting in the cash register. Uh, they were in the, the safe in the back. We took uh, one of the famous alternate realities new uh, comic signs and took one of the yellow ones, which looks like the Mountain Dew yellow, and changed new to Dew and put that in the D's and took four cans of Mountain Dew and placed it on there. Uh, we put a, uh, a can with the Bowen Designs busts and put up a, a label, you know, tw- Bowen Designs 12-ounce Mountain Dew can. We put the two liter with the statues and put up the sign. They said, and, and we had Mountain Dew floating uh, around all over the place. Um, I think that at the end of the day, Bill and I were giggling a lot more while we were doing it than it was actually sort of funny when Steve walked in the next day. Although Steve said, that's not fair. You can't do that, this and that. But, but it was definitely fun doing that. And I think the thing that Steve hated most about it is that he couldn't drink the Mountain Dew that we had littered all over the store. At least he wasn't supposed to. I don't know whatever happened to it. That may be where the cans came from that were sitting in the back uh, all those years ago that were discovered. Um, so you never but, found like an empty can somewhere? Not, well, we have, but that's only because Steve used to collect Mountain Dew paraphernalia and he ordered cans from like Japan, like Japanese cans that were found in the back in like one of those old uh, boxes you know, from reams of paper. And I think Brandon or Bill found it back there filled with packing peanuts and empty Mountain Dew cans. I said, what is this stuff? And they go to Steve's. This year, Steve's like, that's not mine. And everyone's like, well, whose would that be? No, no one else is storing Japanese Mountain Dew cans anywhere. What are you talking about? <laughs> this is not, not so much a prank, but I wanted to ask you, uh, AR legend has it that Steve once built... Like he built a uh, box to ship something, yeah. rather than use the like, the post office box. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. This was postal rates went up. The small priority mailboxes, which were used based back then, were for videotapes. Uh, were three dollars to ship priority mail. We were selling. I think this was back when we were doing lots of Pokemon stuff. We had these little plastic figurines that sold, and Brandon was in charge of ebay and he and postal rates went from three dollars to three dollars and twenty cents for this flat rate box and we sold something and payment came in and it may have even been in the form of a check paypal was sort of getting started then and they paid three dollars shipping and steve absolutely refused to use a priority flat rate box because they were 20 cents short so he he took, but a, a regular parcel post shipment would be like $2.80. So he spent, however long it took, he took a small priority mailbox, unfolded, traced it out over regular cardboard so that he could then create this box and be able to ship it regular mail. So the hour and a half or two hours of time was spent because he refused to pay 20 cents extra that we didn't get paid 
what most people did was just take the priority mailbox and fold it out inside out basically and then it was just a brown box and the ups usps wasn't too they didn't quite figure that one out you'd be like hey wait a second you're using our stuff that's what most people did but he literally cut this entire thing out yeah it was a little that that was one of those things where brandon and steve didn't get along <laughs> along too well right after that one like, what are you doing why are you spending so much time doing this it's what we'll give you the 20 cents no that's not the point it's the principle well, I thank you all very much for participating in this episode of My Comic Shop History. I think you helped me work through some stuff, my feelings towards the store and, and the closing. And Steve Ryan, I will try to adopt your mentality. You can't change Steve's mind, so let him do what he wants to do. I'll keep doing my podcast, and uh, everything will be all right. Absolutely. Thanks. <laughs> Had fun. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you once again. Thank you to everyone who listened. Please keep tuning in. We only have three episodes left. And until then, don't be a flat squirrel.